All right, thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line. Uh, Lexicon and Line it does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts. And you can find everything about Lexicon Online at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon Online. This is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. Today we're doing a special edition from the Monarch, uh, the Literary Deathmatch Podcast Night um, in, from Ogden, Utah. Nice. We'll take it, Brandon. We take yeah. that one? Okay, we'll do Holy it. Shit. Um, tonight we have uh, six writers with us, including the host of Literary Deathmatch, uh, Adrian Todd Zuniga. Um, uh, Todd, Adrian Todd was on our podcast about six months ago. I think with his about his uh, we talked about his book Collision Theory, um, and so we're just going to go around the table really quickly here at the Monarch in downtown Ogden on Twenty Fifth Street and introduce ourselves and maybe just give a glimpse into what we're working on uh, currently. Uh, so personally, Case Johnson, um, I am working on getting this podcast started. Let's you're, you're in. I'm David Lindis. I'm a singer songwriter and writer living in Salt Lake City. I'm originally from Guatemala. Right now I'm working on a couple of things. One is a book about my search for my biological father. Um, and I'm trying to begin to write really short fiction. I'm Jan Bottolari. I'm a poet from sub suburban Chicago, Illinois. I'm also an editor with the uh, poetry annual Rhino. Uh, my book that just came out from Blaze Vox Press is called Everything Seems Significant, the Blade Runner poems, and it's an entire book of poetry about the movie Blade Runner. Awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> Love that. Okay, I'm Laura Stott, and I'm a, a poet that lives here in Ogden, and I'm currently getting a book uh, ready to put out next January that's a collaboration with my sister, and she did all these paintings, and it's called Blue Nude Migration, and so I've been dealing with the drama of that. And <laughs> And uh, I like writing about bears. <laughs> Sweet. I'm Jay Galvey. Um, I've been doing a lot of copywriting lately, but I'm also a poet, a musician, and a voice actor. I'm currently putting some stuff out to Frontier Poetry. I just made some submissions for their uh, one of their upcoming publications. I do a lot of live performance, uh, especially through music, but also with poetry. My name is Kara Vandegraaff, um, and I've just recently put out a book um, called Spitting Image um, with the Crab Orchard series in poetry. And so I'm just kind of on the heels of that, and I'm starting now to reawaken and kind of begin writing some new poems um, towards a, a second collection, which is hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm Adrian Tadzening. I'm the creator and host of Literary Deathmatch. My novel Collision Theory came out uh, some at some point ago, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm currently work working on producing a movie uh, that we, I think Wayne Gretzky just said he would executive produce. So we're very excited, and that's going hopefully will change our lives and our uh, bank accounts. And uh, beyond that, I'm working on a novel called Superhero. Uh, which is my hopefully will be my second novel. It's gigantic, but I'm slowly paring it down to 350 words. Ooh. 
350 words? Yeah, I'm a lot just of chops. Uh, <laughs> it went from 710 pages to 592 in one draft. So now I'm looking to get it into the 450 range. But okay. I don't all know. right. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Great. Um, so let's we're going to talk tonight. So everybody's here gathered here. Um, sounds that sounds really religious. Uh, we're gathered here today. Grace, <laughs> um, to talk. Uh, uh, we're all going to uh, go down to a Good Company Theater later on at seven o'clock tonight, and we're going to uh, partake in the. It's where I'm staying with the religious themes. Um, it's all my Catholicism coming out. We're Where's the wine? We're gathered yeah. here. We're partaking. So we're going to discuss transubstantiation. Um, we're all going to go down to uh, Good Company Theater um, on 24th Street in Ogden, Utah, and we're going to participate in Literary Deathmatch. Uh, Adrian, do you want to kind of give us a give for those who have not uh, been a part of it in the past, or those who do don't know what it is? Give us kind of that summary of where 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 it got started and and where we are now and and why. Yeah, so it's uh, just the show itself. It's it's four authors reading their own work for seven minutes or less, and they're judged by three all-star judges in the categories of literary merit, performance, and intangibles. The judges uh, hear the readers then cracked wise uh, and then uh, pick two of them to go on to the finals, two of the authors to go on to the finals, and then they compete in a vaguely literary game to decide mm-hmm. the winner. See, and I told you wrong, Laura. I'm sorry. I oh, told yeah. you to prepare two pieces. Oh, yeah. Never prepare two pieces, ever. Case really so, messed up. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's very confusing. Uh, so I don't I don't blame I you for hearing four. that. Oh, that's you excellent. Because told me twice. Okay, right. That's right. Double that down. Sense. I might have tripled down. Yeah. Well, tonight actually will be our 499th show. We've done it in 63 cities around the world. And uh, yeah, it's been going on since March 6, 2006, which I... Th- just saying that it reminds me when I was watching uh, Making a Murderer or whatever that was the Netflix show the, mm-hmm. it, on March 6, 2006 there's an event that happens on the show and the date comes up on the screen I was like oh yeah so lives are very different uh, different things happen at different places um, yeah and uh, doing it the first time in Ogden I think it's our fourth Utah show so I'm very excited about that and it's uh, I'm on tour um, but the one question I wanted to ask and Case you can speak to this because you judged last year in uh, Salt Lake City but just sort of when you found out or when you got an invite to do it I just wonder if everybody can go around and you can be totally honest I'm not going to be offended we've done this so many times um, but, oh wait you know what I feel like I just had a I, I had a thought, which I should tell you something that happened in the literary deathmatch history. And I thought of Jeffrey Eugenides. He judged for us in Finland, episode one. And uh, it was an all finished show except he and I. And uh, he, he judged intangibles. And at one point, he, he had this hat on, um, like a Russian style hat. Uh, and when uh, he, he said that he wore it because he dated a Finnish girl when he was um, in his late teens or early 20s but they had to break up because she was allergic to a semen. So um, so there are those kind of literary histories that come up, because I'll talk, tonight I'm gonna do a monologue about Stephen King, and I'm gonna do some Roald Dahl informations, mm, and all these nice. different things, but uh, I, I always think about how the show will eventually progress to where I'm telling stories about, you know, allergic to, to semen. But um, so that being said, I just wondered if you could <laughs> talk about bit. how, like your immediate reaction, because a lot of people don't know what the show is before they get invited. Um, of course they should um, live to do it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I thought that might be fun just to hear people go like, I didn't want to do it. But anyway, case. Uh, I was scared about not being witty enough as a judge. You know, that was my big, I, I think I, I would have been more comfortable being a presenter 
than being a judge because it's you know you're on the spot and you got to act smart yeah yeah and that's tough um so but I'd heard about it many times because of friends who had done it and I know Daniel Susi had done it been yeah. part of it in Chicago a couple times and, yeah, yeah. and Danielle and I are good friends and um and so she had talked about it quite a bit and so and seen it and um but overall I was like uh, it was it was a it was a good time and I but I was you know honestly like you know how it's sometimes it's hard uh, yeah. to you were to great. say something. Uh, that uh, people might not think is dumb. I, you were great, and I, I remembered uh, thinking that and how I always will say that to people, but you actually were. But uh, You too. Did, did you panic? Because when I've had to uh, judge in emergencies, um, it's like it doesn't last long. Like you don't have that much time, mm-hmm. and it's like there's a panic to – anyway. Yeah. And uh, I wanted – you know, and with the judging too is I wanted to give – talk about the work too because right. there's some brilliant writers involved in it and obviously you know all across the all across the world and i wanted to be able to do both yeah um and so i was nervous that's cool so case reached out to me via email and google saved me right <laughs> literary deathmatch is a stellar brand by the way because i knew right away that you cared about words and we were going to have fun Cool. Too, and that those things were together. And then uh, Google took me to a video of uh, Adrian hanging out with Neil Gaiman. Uh, and I thought, oh, okay, this is a thing. Well, let's go. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's on, man. It is wild about Neil Gaiman because he judged for us in, um, in Edinburgh, and, uh, which apparently I say terribly. Edinburgh but um <laughs> but apparently like he gets paid so much money to do events but he'll also like if you just ask him to do stuff he's like yeah that sounds fun <laughs> he's yeah he was amazing <laughs> well like like David Google saved me um because my first order of business was to determine whether or not the phrase death match was being used in a metaphorical sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took like a so. mad back sort of thought when I first read right? it, it was right? great, yeah two men enter <laughs> one man leaves sort of thing me too so <laughs> so that's why I'm wearing um, the skins of my enemies right now <laughs> yeah it's perfect I, it's a very very opulent and like very thank you. visceral garment <laughs> thank you <laughs> Um, so I didn't Google anything. <laughs> and I, and I, and she took advice from me. Oh I tried to and, be right. Yeah, well, <laughs> finally, a couple days ago, I said, hey, by the way, how does this work? Because, <laughs> you know, I'd been just letting my imagination go with it for, for a few weeks. And I was, I don't know, I was kind of picturing the Coliseum and, <laughs> you know, lions or something. Sure. Anyway, but um, and uh, and then I was thinking, well, you know. I've got, you know, a garden full of tomatoes, so maybe I can bring a basket of those. But <laughs> uh, to, to bribe the judges or oh, throw it yourself? Oh, no. <laughs> like, you're <them> terrible. <laughs> oh, These are delicious. <laughs> yeah, just let them rot a little thinking, bit. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking, you know, the whole, like, you see it on the boobies. Right, it's real yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I think it'll be it'll be fun. So. It'll be the greatest night yeah. we've all ever spent together. Yeah, a friend, <laughs> of mine, a friend of mine used the phrase poetic punches a few days ago in, re- yeah. in reference to it, and I, I, I kind of fell in love with that phrase. Yeah. So. Nice and plosive. Yeah. Um, I got the invitation and was immediately excited, honestly. Uh, most of what I do is live performance, so... As soon as I did a Google search, actually, and saw, of course, Neil Gaiman, I saw everybody just having a good time participating. I saw Adrian, and uh, yeah, I was completely sold. I was excited. I was ready to just get up there. I've got a nice, uh, I've got a nice outfit planned for the evening. <laughs> Maybe throwing my arms up here and there. Um, I like to be a bit of a showman, so 
um, feel pretty capable, feel pretty ready. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the phrase death match was perfect. I was like, cause sometimes you go to a poetry event and it's a little bit more demure. It's a little bit more pared down. It's very subtle there. It's, you know, candles lit, they dim the lights. You are wearing your best dressed clothing. You're, you know, making strange odes to things like your bath salts or whatever it is you use to calm down. So it's really nice to get on your feet and you know, draw a little blood. Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's great. It's a really good description of what I do for a living. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I heard about the death match because I think I gave a reading last year with someone who had participated in it. Ooh. Um, but because I'm more of the bath salts kind of poet, uh, just not know, the flirty in ones, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think of myself as like a performance poet, but I have a lot of experience thinking on my feet about poetry because I, I teach. I'm a professor down at, at UVU, um, and I'm working every day with students on their writing, um, and sometimes need to be quite quick about it. Um, but I think I found out about this um, from my colleagues at Weber. I think, I think they reached out and said, hey, do you want to come do this with us? And it has been a while since I've been up here and gotten the chance to hang out with y'all. So I was yeah. like, yes, absolutely. Um, and that's how I got here. And now, now that I'm hearing all of the research, <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny about Weber because uh, Weber is host to Abraham Smith, who's yeah. the only five-time literary deathmatch champion and oh, the only five and a person. Amazing. It's wow. impossible to... Like basically, the finale becomes quite random. Like we do things to randomize it. So winning is insane. Um, <laughs> you know, just like winning, winning, you'll just be like, oh wow, yeah, that seemed random, but I happen to win. But him winning five, going five and zero, oh is crazy. The only other person that has uh, any shot at him is Simon Rich. And I saw mm. Simon at the WGA Awards, um, no big deal, but I was nominated for writing a Madden movie that Mahershala Ali spoke words, I said, no big deal, no big deal, guys. Oh, wow, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but I saw him and I was like, oh yeah, we should have you back. He goes, well, you know, I'm undefeated. And it's funny, because you wonder if people ever think about it. And I find out, because I have a medal in my pocket, we had a printing issue with the medals, so tonight's won't say literary deathmatch Ogden champion, it'll say LDM Bistritza, which is a small city in Romania. <laughs> don't don't fret. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the right, it's I the right battle. Always I am tickled pink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bistritza <laughs> is like, ah, oh, that, um, anyway, oh I, but Simon was like, oh no, I'm undefeated. I, I don't think I'm going to, I'm going to go up against, because I, oh, I, I mentioned, I go, oh, we should have you and Ab Abraham read at the same time. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not risking my perfect record. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, lose that belt. Yeah, that's pretty right. good. Oh, I wish yeah. Abe was Time for tonight. a cut. Oh, yeah. This is Case Johnson's Literally Cut Podcast. We're yeah. now podcasting from Bistritza, um, <laughs> and the winner tonight will receive that medal. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, that's, whoever gets it, I'm going to be jealous. Yeah. It's on. It's, it's on, on Bistritza. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, so when it comes to traveling... I'm guessing you meet a lot of poets. Are we all the same? I'm not a poet. I'm the only one who's not a poet. I'm, not really? I'm, there we go. We're not poets oh together. We're not poets. I, I have one published poem. Poet. Self-published. Poet. 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 <laughs> um, are they all the us. same? I mean, from, I mean the, it, it's funny because the first person I thought of was Billy Collins. So then I was like, is everybody like Billy Collins? And yes. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, it's weird because... The, the poets, if, if poets succeed, 
you generally find that they're quite kind and gracious and whimsical. And if and that's kind of an amazing place because they're like, yeah, I kind of chose this. Nobody goes into poetry and is like, okay, here comes my millions. <laughs> you know, it's like you if you enter screenwriting, if you enter uh, boxing, or I don't know, there's, there's a lot of fields that you can enter where you're like, okay, I'm going to try to make it big. And if you don't, you can be resentful and be like, oh, the American dream I got left behind. Let me go. Uh, watch the Joker and find it to be um, a really great movie. Um, I just saw the Joker. So, yeah. it's, uh, it must be fresh. Yeah, it's I like quite a the, complicated thing. I like that the three profession choices are <laughs> screenwriting, poetry, or boxing. <laughs> it is the literary <laughs> death match. That is the so, lens. I think that's my next question. Gloves so off. if you weren't a poet, which of the other two would you be? A yeah, boxer that's great. Yeah. or a screenwriter? I was going to say a financial a analyst, but yeah, a pirate pirate's good. I would take boxer, honestly. That wouldn't be yeah, half yeah. bad. Maybe an MMA cage fighter. I've definitely right. got the build for it. That, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would only write screenplays about boxing. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's perfect. Poets. And poets who become boxers. Make a million yes. dollar baby. It's raging yeah. Would What do you guys think? Do you Would you say uh, all writers slash poets are the same? Do you think all poets... Jan, you know that all poets are the same. You guys all look the same. You all talk we the same. Do. <laughs> we do. We um, do. I can't tell us apart. Um, but yeah, you know, I think it's really great to hear you say that poets are generally kind you know, people, because I think you have to be, I, I think being a poet, you have to first learn how to be kind to yourself. You never really learn that. But because you're paying so much attention to the world or trying to, you see a lot of, kind. You, you know, you have to kind of be on the lookout for that. So, you know, that's good to hear that most poets are like that. I don't know. I'm, I know a lot of poets and I meet a lot of poets and they're a fun group. Yeah. I find it a, to be a really diverse and interesting group myself. Yeah. So, I, uh, I went and visited um, some middle school kids about, it's probably two years ago, where one of my former students is now their teacher. And, and I don't remember teaching her this, but she kept saying over and over to her students in, in, in speaking about poetry that poetry creates empathy. Yeah. And, mm. and I loved it. And I, uh, and it's something I've thought about a lot since then. She's I, a great teacher. I strongly believe that the greatest thing that can be created in the world is a poem. That it that it does more and is more extraordinary than anything else. But that also means that like ninety percent of poetry is not great, not and nine percent yeah. is like fantastic, amazing, whatever, in a great range. And then there's that like point zero one percent, which is just so transcendent and so incredible. It like, and it does it in such short order. It's just, it's amazing. I, I'm so blown away by poetry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And that's, that's all I have to say about that. Now I'm going to sit back in my chair. <laughs> Not really. I guess I just ruined everything. No, no there's, still, there's, still, there's still some the momentum. Stakes, That's man. right, man. You dropped a bomb in the middle of the <laughs> exactly. conversation. Like, no, voice acting's the most important thing, says Boxing. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Well, no, no, it's, it's Emily Boxing. Dickinson's It Blows the Top of My Head Off. Yeah. I mean, it's like she meant it kind of literally. Not literally, mm. literally, but close, yeah. I, I guess think. if we're going to keep yeah. the metaphor going, it kind of packs a punch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it can hit you right in the gut. It can hit you right in the head. It can hit you somewhere in between those places or yeah. maybe somewhere behind. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's a big reason why I got into poetry. And I think the reason why I like to kind of follow up that question, is every poet the same? Um, you end up hearing everybody's individual voice. And that empathy building that happens allows you to hear that voice within these very sort of uh, – concentrated hits these mm. 
these stanzas, these flowing pieces of language that may not necessarily go for however long, but can succinctly put things into place. Uh, kind of like a kind of like a great meme. Yeah. In today's yeah. parlance, I guess. Can I ask one question real quick? Uh, there's there's almost nothing I hate more than a poem about poetry, mm. um, and I wonder if you guys are like, no, those are okay. Are there any good poems about poetry that's like the poet the poem oh is goodness. the I'm, I'm automatically like now i want to hear about somebody's wow. foot getting cut off or a i am dying. automatically inflicted with a little bit of uh i don't know maybe like trepidation whenever i hear somebody's like i wrote a poem about writing a poem i'm I get a little cringy yeah but what am i gonna read tonight now <laughs> <laughs> well i and uh it's a good question, but I'm not going to answer it. Um, I was thinking about something else. Early. When it <laughs> Just comes talk to, about that. When it comes to poetry and not being a poet, um, it will, and like you said, it, it creates that empathy, and there's, there's there's that beauty in it, and there's that voice in it. And, and as and I don't want to talk about process because we always talk about process. I don't want to talk about process. But when I before I write in the morning, I don't I don't read novels or I don't read nonfiction. I read poetry. So for 25 minutes before I start to write. Mm-hmm. I read poetry and I'm not a poet. It's just getting into, I mean, just the beauty of it and what it says and yet makes you think. And then it all, all of a sudden it puts you in a place where you're, you're asking yourself questions, and especially with nonfiction. You get to a place where you're, you're asking yourself hard questions that you have to answer. And I don't find that I can get that from any other genre before writing mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. with coffee. You know, That's it's, awesome. it's beautiful that way. I just want to talk about process. Do you guys, <laughs> what do you guys do before you write? Do you have a system or like Ooh. something you consistently do? Now that I have two kids, I don't have any system. Yeah, like, <laughs> I just just write when you can. Yeah. So I feel like I it, it's nice to have something nearby. Like as long as I have the means to do it. But uh, I think my favorite poem I wrote this summer. I was sitting next to the swimming pool, <laughs> you know, with with the newborn, and so just. I don't, yeah, for me, it's just kind of just anytime I can, just getting getting some words out. I think um, if there's anything to be sort of nailed down as a sort of a process for me is it really helps with a few drinks sometimes. You know, uh, that's like a little bit of a lubricant, but going to concerts, being surrounded by other art, I think I'm a pretty ekphrastic writer, so I feel a lot of like different types of music. I look at like newer art forms, even look at meme culture, things like that. Um, but a lot of the time, some of my biggest inspirations, sometimes the best people that keep around me are the people in my life that I see as poets who don't even consider themselves writers. The people who say really funny phrases, the people that could kill you with one line. I don't know. I like, I like the comedy and like sort of the, I don't know, I guess like sort of the democratic aspects of language that people employ when they're just hanging out, speaking colloquially, not really giving a shit, so to speak, just being with friends, being around like good groups of people and then just absorbing that and letting that sort of filter its way through my brainscape and splattering out something that sounds like uh, cohesive <laughs> language to some degree. Kara? I think I actually actively resist any kind of system that I try to to use to, to regiment my writing life, which is not something I like about myself actually because I'm so busy now mm. that I think I would um, probably benefit from having a system but I, ha- I for whatever reason I have to feel like it's something that I'm 
like choosing my way into or or oh, yeah. kind of like yeah. the the myth of inspiration um i don't think that's actually true i think if i only wrote when i when i felt inspired that i would you know mm-hmm. write get to write like one thing a year because i i right. don't i don't have a lot of time to be inspired right now but i i do agree that i think interacting with other art is really useful for me mm. including poems you know that if i'm yeah. reading new work by somebody that i'm i'm really kind of engaged with um usually that kind of sets off a chain reaction for me like association wise and then i i come to something that i want to write about that way dave these people are insane they have no process. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I'm fun. a machine, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wake up at five, I run five miles, and then I write for 90 minutes. That's Wow. wow. That's beautiful. How, many, how long does it take you to run five miles? Uh, 60 minutes. So wow. I'm running five 12 oh, yeah. minute miles. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying that I write great stuff, right. but I write, and I write yeah. for 90 minutes. There you go. <laughs> you know? That's, that's, that's so wild that you, because for me, I basically I put on headphones and, and like, you know, after showering and all that. And then I go to uh, a WeWork lately, and then I'll just hunker down there for four to six hours. But that's because I'm abandoning uh, ever paying rent again, apparently. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. But, the, uh, but yeah, that the prob- I find this problem right now is that the political moment is so, uh, I don't want to say engaging. I should say exhausting. But I'm just, I'm listening to a lot of political stuff, so I'm, I'm sort of not falling into the work when I sit. Like, if I listen to the Bookworm podcast, I'd love that one. Um, and just like listening to writers talk can sometimes help me, but, but right now it's like the daily and, and I'm like, Oh God, what the fuck? How yeah. long do we have left? Oh crazy. my gosh. That's right. That's yeah. been that's a crazy. big influence on my writing lately yeah. too. It's like really interesting. Cause in like comedy too, there's almost like this, uh, nihilistic absurdity that everybody's taken on yeah. where it's just like, you have a com- comedians like Eric Andre, yeah. like Hannibal Buress more specifically. I've been kind of following those guys yeah. and just the, the constant, the era of just the constant news cycle, the constant election cycle going yeah. on. It's Speaking absolutely of wild. Those two guys, uh, Hannibal Burris has judged literary death match twice, but each time we had <laughs> Great. Uh, people drop out or get mixed up. So he had to judge literary merit twice. And he's oh, like, because wow. he had written for Saturday Night Live. So it's like, you're a writer. And he was like, mm. I can't believe I've, I've got to judge writing. Yeah. I, I was going to read, um, this is a, a spoiler for the show, but Ursula K. Le Guin, I found her writing schedule. And her schedule was at 5.30 a.m., wake up and lie there and think. <laughs> or, you know, you can run five miles or That's do good. that one. Um, <laughs> 6.15 a.m., get up and eat breakfast, lots. 7.15 a.m., get to work, writing, writing, writing. Noon, lunch, one to three, reading, slash music. Three to five, correspondence, maybe house cleaning. Five to eight, make dinner and eat it. After 8 p.m., I tend to be very stupid and we won't talk about this. So... Wow. That's a pretty good schedule. But Solid. Yeah. For, for a person yeah. who doesn't have a day job. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To mm-hmm. only give that many hours. But I don't know. I wear out. And then I'm just yeah. like, oh, man. It's literally like I can feel myself frazzling or checking Twitter, just sort of like wanting to do other stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Come back. And, you know, it's like I'm working at half the speed or a quarter of the speed. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Do you think songwriting is poetry, David? I'm just gonna. I'm sorry, Casey. Yeah. I'm taking over your podcast. That's my plan. That's a good question. I didn't show up with questions today, and that was my goal. I, got you. I think, in a way, it is. You know, one of my. Um, as soon as, it, uh, let's see. I'm kind of the. 
I don't identify as a poet. Let's let's say that, right? So I'm a, I'm a but songwriter. You're among friends, David. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you're all right. You're all so I, I always wonder, you know, would my songs stand alone really well without music? Yeah. And would they would they bring you something, you know, would they hit you somewhere? Um, would they bring something of value to you if I weren't singing them to you? So I think it's a great question. It's not necessarily one I've answered. I'm, I'm when it comes to songwriting, I'm a lyrics heavy kind of guy um, so maybe in that respect you know I lean towards that side of things but I think I still wonder yeah know? did you see yeah. the movie yesterday yes did you think it was a huge dick move for him to <laughs> win the writing contest I thought that movie was terrible but I also thought it was delightful um, but like <laughs> All right. it could have been done so much better by people who love the Beatles but uh, hey if I didn't get my shot but did you, you know when he, he writes he outwrites Ed Sheeran and then Correct. Ed Sheeran like walks away like sad and I was like Ed Sheeran's song was fucking gorgeous <laughs> and then he's like I don't know I thought that was did you th were you like man that's a dick move this is a huge turning point in the movie I thought it was odd because um, and I mean this might sound totally naive but my experience has been that uh, songwriters are not that competitive. Yeah, you know what I mean. Point. Like nobody's yeah. gonna get pissed because they found something beautiful. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Done like battle the um, bands and all that sort of stuff. Nobody gets off the stage and is just like vehemently pissed. We should have trained else. harder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's yeah. not like exactly. it's not like you're about to get in the ring and like actually fight each other, literally deathmatch yeah. style. Mm -hmm. Uh, boom, boom. I, I love what you said though. That nobody's gonna get pissed when they find something beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's a good I mean, that's maybe that's kind of goes into what you were saying before about you know writing being kind of the this engine of empathy mm -hmm. where you hear great writing it it can inspire you it doesn't make you feel oh i do get jealous sometimes i yeah, wish i'd written that yeah, yeah. there's that line Absolutely. i was about yeah. to say the same thing there's that little like tint like a twinge of like ooh. but you you wow. i've never i've never heard myself saying if I couldn't have written it, I wish it had never been written. Right, right. It's out there, oh, and it's a huge. good thing that it exists. Yeah. It's yeah. better that it exists. Yeah, and we can better appreciate that and love yeah. that. But yeah. the funny thing about that movie is it kind of raises like an artistic ethical quandary that doesn't really exist. Right. You right. know, which which is one of my beefs with it because I feel like the the question that the movie is asking is okay, well, if this beautiful thing um, ceased to exist, would you put it back into the world? Which will never. Right. happen to right. any of us and I, I feel like it would be a more interesting film if it asked a question that yeah. makers of things yeah. uh, any kinds of things actually faced but well, yeah. that's what yeah, I it's thought. not like we don't yeah. have any ethical quandrums already right yeah you know? yeah well my big thing about that was that he like I thought that he should have uh, his goal should have been to get the Beatles into the world because if he loved the Beatles that's what would mm -hmm. matter so I thought at a certain point he should have become a producer and like given a song to Lady Gaga and given a song to you know everybody that was huge and be like hey I wrote this song for you and they'd be like holy shit I get to do <laughs> Honey yeah. Pie or whatever and I don't know it's very it's slash romantic journey in the movie like there was anyway I hate it. yeah that movie was a dead I, anyway. I didn't see it I didn't I haven't I thought, seen it I was gonna say you're making me it. kind of glad I didn't yeah. see it yeah. I know you I would have loved everyone. it but now Sorry. I spoiled it now yeah. like it's it's, it's like, alright it's not as much of a house of cards as say three billboards outside of Ebbing's Missouri which if you push on any part of that movie Movie, you're like this is one of the worst movies that's ever gotten any recognition yeah. but uh, oh, but yesterday yeah. like you start pushing on it you're like this is this is complicated but at the same time if you hadn't heard me talk about this and you would have seen it you would have been like 
That was, I it's feel delighted. Cute. Yeah. It's yeah. very yeah. cute. Yeah. It seemed like it had a whimsy, like whimsical yeah. vibe to yeah, yeah. it. It was the, yeah. kind of the main sell when they were doing the trailers and everything for yeah. it. So I recommend seeing it so okay. we can trash it together. That'd so I can perfect. convince you that Reconvene it's at a later date. And, yeah. ne- and, ne- and the next we're going to talk about Saw. Poets talking about movies yes. is a podcast I might listen to. Yeah, yeah. That's true. it actually sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm already there for it, even if I'm not at the mic. Yeah, right? yeah. perfect. Yeah. I, I keep thinking about uh, kicking off a podcast of authors talking about politics, but then I'm like, how long are we going to care about this stuff? We only yeah. got about a year and a half left on democracy, mm-hmm. so I don't know. But that's yeah. right. Before it all goes underwater. Yeah, we'll yeah Brandon and I have kicked around and, uh, the idea of doing a podcast of looking at um, short story to film oh, wow. um, and, gr- and grading it because, you know, I, I think it's I think it's unfair to any time go novel to film. It's just unfair to, to judge yeah. just because you have so much and you're condensing. But short story to film works really, really well. As yeah. we've seen, you know, Fitzgerald and we've seen, you know, uh, Filled Up Dreams and we've seen these short stories turn into something beautiful. Because and, and even Stephen King. And oh, even yeah, Stephen of King course, The Green Mile. Yeah. Was yeah. A yeah. Novella sh- length? Yeah. Uh, novella. I'll be talking about Shawshank Redemption tonight. Mm. And yeah. Shawshank's one. Yeah. 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 I'll just spoil it. One of my, not really jokes, but he, uh, he was sent a $5,000 check by the director of um, Shawshank Redemption to option the short story. And then uh, uh, years after the film was made, and it it's one of the most successful films in terms of like it keeps making money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, uh, King framed the check that he had never cashed, and he mailed it back to him, and he said, uh, "Use this for bail money if you ever need it." <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. And I think, and you write, you're a screenplay writer, so you know that. I mean, to condense is so much more difficult than yeah. it would ever be to expand. And I think what some mm-hmm. producers and writers and, and directors have done with the short story is brilliant. And, uh, but with, and it, but every time you ever read a novel and you read, you show, you see the film, you're like, that was awful. They missed all this. And that's, and you can't blame them for, it. I mean, right. you yeah. can blame them on theme and you can blame them on tone and you can blame them on who they picked for the main character, you know, yeah, or the right. main the protagonist or the antagonist or whatever it might be. You can blame them for that. You can say that the theme was off, the tone was off, the hmm. feeling of the movie did not match the book. And that's something you can say, yeah. you know, you you messed up. Yeah. Uh, but when it comes to con- to not getting everything in, that's not a fair judgment. I just realized what we should really do is launch a podcast of writers talking about what podcasts they'd launch because that's what yeah. that's, 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 I, I was thinking there was a very like meta aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is a podcast about talking about making a podcast yeah. with yes. people who are on podcasts. Yes. But I've also heard that the Goldfinch, the biggest knock against that mm. is that it should have been a limited series. So that's kind of an interesting thing that now right. novels could become that if, if yeah. people oh, yeah. want to spend that kind of money. Mm-hmm. But yeah. What were you about to say, Kara? I was just going to say, I, I guess your your view, um, how you view like the successful adaptation mm-hmm. of a text into a film, probably depends on whether or not you feel like the film necessarily owes the book any allegiance. Yeah, because I, I oh, think yeah. it's a right. different it's a different art form, mm-hmm. and I I I'm not a filmmaker, so I don't know what would be necessary to successfully mm-hmm. translate like the nucleus of of a text into a film. Um, And I'm thinking now about like um, Lolita or something, you know, a Mm. film like that, which is Mm -hmm. totally different from Mm -hmm. the book, but is Mm -hmm. a lot of people also regard as a kind of film masterpiece. Um, but it really does its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think The Shining's yeah. probably a great yeah, example. Exactly. Oh yeah, that's another one too. Um, I think it's a great podcast. Poets talking about 
Poets texts talking, of yes. movies and how it texts the film. Well, I understand why we got to well, cut out fiction writers all the time. I know. <laughs> Considering that I just wrote a book of poems yes. about a movie True. that was yeah. based on a book. that And the movie Blade Runner is yeah. super different yeah. from yeah. the book mm-hmm. yeah, if you, Do Androids Dream of Electric mm-hmm. Sheep. But when Philip K. Dick saw the movie for the first time right before he died, uh, right f- and right before the movie was released, he said, "How did you get inside my head?" Mm. Wow, That's so badass. it did mm. capture something mm. that was important to the writer. The poetry of the, uh, yeah. the piece, right? I like That's to cool. think so. The yeah. essence. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Coming at of course, it from you'd the call theme. it the poetry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I have, to, I have to keep the themes going here. <laughs> Genres. Uh, Genres. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I spent, um, I guess in the introductions I kind of left out, I've been helping a friend of mine with a student film and I've uh, played a small role. I got to be a cult leader. Nice. That was great. Yeah. I threw a knife into someone. I get killed with a guitar. It's fantastic. I think that's going to give you an advantage in the death match. Yeah. Yeah, It was pretty great. I should have shown up in my crimson robe. I should ask the director if I could have kept my robe actually. And um, even just reading a, like a screenplay for a short film, just from an actor's perspective, it's you have to create that essence of the character. You have to create a psychology. Mine was a pretty simple role. I had about two lines, just screamed out stuff about the Dark Lord. It was great. Um, <laughs> maybe recreate that later. We can, we can only help. We can only help. Um, but the big thing, I think, yeah, is you have with film production as opposed to actually getting out the literature is that you have maybe one, two, th- oh, it would be crazy, but maybe even three writers tops working on it. Then you have a maybe a editor or so to look over the script. And then otherwise you're dealing with the director trying to bring out that vision. You have each actor playing their part. You have everyone who's operating sound equipment, film equipment, you know, just every little nuance that goes into translating that literature to film it's a it's a challenge so even getting a smidgen of that essence i feel like is really impressive and powerful in filmmaking and when you can nail it down like in the case of philip k dick then it's just pure magic it's amazing do you know what the k and uh, philip k is i think it's case no, it's, <laughs> it should be case. Yeah. Bye, Laura. Bye. I'm, I don't want this conversation oh, Laura's so bored. Cool. <laughs> okay. Great. I don't want to interrupt it, but I'm going to say bye okay. until tonight. We'll see you tonight. We're not going to okay. tell you why Laura's leaving. She's just leaving. She's bored. <laughs> I'm, I'm because leaving because I have a baby that's very grumpy about taking a bottle. Ooh. So I'm. <laughs> go take yeah. care of that, and then I'll be back. All right, we're going to miss you. Powers. See you tonight. <laughs> see you, Laura. Um, Babies on podcasts. The yeah. next on podcast right. with writers. With, yeah. do, but do you know the K? Can you I remember? Do yeah. but I can't remember it. It's, it's like it's it's Kindred. That's yeah, that. that's right. It's it Kindred. Yeah. I'm like it has something to do with the movie. Of course, I think everything has something to do with Blade Runner. Yeah. Certainly, mm-hmm. the word Kindred does though. What did you think of the uh, the new one? Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, like I, I I first I wished it didn't exist. <laughs> that's how I felt too. You know when when you really love a, a work of art, like if you have a favorite painting, you don't necessarily want to see like the poet or, or the, the painter do it over from a different angle, mm-hmm. you know? It's like looking at Lady Godiva from the other side of the horse or something. Right. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's funny. But um, 
But yeah, I thought uh, I, I thought they did a great job with it. And part of, you know, you were just talking about the collaborative nature of film. I personally, mm. I think all art is collaborative. Yeah. Yes. Filmmaking perhaps more so than any other. For, it's like insanely collaborative. Yeah, for exactly it, what with, you were talking without about. Without collaboration, it takes a village to raise a child sort yeah. of thing. But the child is a uh, full film production. Exactly, exactly. But, but all, I, I, yeah. I'm, I keep cutting you off. But I'm just okay. to talk about that. It's like... Um, a film versus a book like it's almost like you'd have to have people type like okay you take the y and the <laughs> r so you type it yeah. whenever i think that whereas yeah anyway yeah. sorry i just but no but i was gonna say is that um yeah all arts collaborative to a point and i think the fact that they had some of the same you know artists working on the se- the sequel i think yeah. Are real was was a really important factor to its success. Yes, yeah, cin- like cinematography wise, that was one of the most it was perfectly shot films. It was gorgeous. I've ever seen. I had my reservations about a few things, but it was amazing. And I just want to take yeah. a moment to say, you know, rest in peace, Rutger Hauer. Oh my gosh! Did don't he just even. Pass, or is he did while? pass yes, about a did. few months ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was, he was, a, was a legend. Hobo with a shotgun. I don't know if anybody saw him do that. They did the. The Grindhouse films, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez did oh, the yeah, collaboration, yeah. and the, yeah. one of the fake trailers was Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh my God. And hilarious. they <laughs> ended up casting Rutger Howard to play the Hobo with the Shotgun. It's a It was a huge hit. It was my favorite at Sundance that yeah. year. It was fantastic. Um, you know what Rutger Howard loved, and this is true? Poetry. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, there you go. Oh. Mm. Tying it all together. Tying it all together. (laughs) Tying the room together like a good rug. (laughs) Anytime I've wanted to, like, thematically write something or I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a book of whatever about, you know, spring. I don't know. But but was there any moment when you were like, oh, I'm going to, I definitely don't want to write this much about Blade Runner? Or were you like, man, I could write a hundred more books about Blade Runner? (laughs) You know, I, every moment that I worked on it was, and I think this isn't, this wasn't just uh, you know my project, but I think it's all of us as writers. I wrote, I got the idea, and it was like a fucking ray of sunshine in my heart. Like I'm doing it. I ran oh, yeah. it by a few people. They're like, if anyone's gonna do it, yeah. you're gonna do it. <laughs> yes. But then every time I worked on a poem, you'll never finish this. Oh Why are you even trying? <laughs> Who's gonna want to read this? You know and. Yeah, nobody likes Blade Runner. Right. Well, no. Well, please. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but, it, it, you know, you learn so much when you... I, I, I've been recommending to everyone, find a work of art. You, you say you do a lot of your... Jake, I'm looking at Jake right now for yeah, all of you out there. That's her, I'm being looked at. Listening audience. Um, that Jake said he he gets a lot... Of, he, he does a lot of his work, you know, frastically influenced by other art. Find a work of art that you love and take that deep dive Oh yeah. If it's a movie, if it's the work of a certain poet, and it will open up for you, and mm-hmm. and your art will respond. Yeah, you're so right. that sounds super pretentious. I'm the, really sorry. No, it does not yeah, at all. A, it's perfect. Yeah, there's yeah. a book called Waking the Dead that was adapted into a movie with Billy Crudup and Jennifer Connelly, and it's one of it's probably my third, second or third favorite movie. Uh, and my novel Collision Theory is hugely influenced because I the emotional. I mean, I cry my eyes out every time I see that movie, and I, I could always go to that place in the main character, the main female yeah. character's name, yeah. Sarah, because that. Um, but yeah, David, if you were to deep dive on one piece of work and obsess over it enough to do a full collection of something. Yeah, there's kind of two, two, two things I'd look into. One, I would love to write about Fernando Yort. Um, 
He's a Latin American painter from El Salvador. He passed away uh, not two years ago. And uh, this is cool. He invented his country's folk art. So you go to El Salvador wow. and you go to some shop where they sell tchotchkes, you know, things. And, I don't know, like uh, places you can put your keys, right, or, or a little jewelry box. And they all have these kind of iconic, um, colorful shapes uh, of animals and people, right, and uh, really simplified shapes. He made that up. Uh, you know, essentially born in El Salvador, trained in Europe. He came back and opened all these workshops. As you can tell, this is already bordering on a novel. Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, wow. Fernando Yort has done amazing work. And the thing I love about him is that he marries uh, modernity with, with folk art in a way that is just effortless. That's cool. Quick, that show, exactly quick show of hands. Who around the table wants David to write this yeah, book? I think I'm already there, yeah. That's hand is raised so. high up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so Brand's given us the wrap-up. we got to go and set up. In case you have to up. tell me what you're going to do. Oh, man. I was going to give my blade Inspired by something? In. Yeah, yeah. I'm completely blank. Yeah. I am completely blank. I think it's because I just got done with the, the book of essays on running, and I felt, right. like Jan, Jan, I felt like Jan was saying that every time I started an essay on running, I thought there's no way I can do 80,000 words, and it ended up being 92,000 words, but... Uh, the fantastic. collection was, and um, and I felt the exact same way. Like I don't know if I can write another essay that uses running as that vehicle to jump into larger cultural, sociological issues. Um, but it did, and it it, it was, uh, and I'm exhausted. I'm, yeah. exhausted. I'm, I'm exhausted with writing right now. I'm really yeah. really tired. Um, so I think uh, Karen was. Oh yeah, care. Oh, we're we're all gonna. I do guess I just wanted to do it. Do we have? Can we? Is Brandon? Is that okay? If I make everybody answer? Because I'll just answer right. quickly. That when I was growing up, every day I would eat waffles in front of the TV before I went to school, and that was when HBO had I think three movies, and one was Star Wars, and the other was On Golden Pond, <laughs> and I'm trying to find On Golden Pond again because I was obsessed with it and yes. I loved it so much, and I, I think like wow. one of those two. But now that I'm saying it, maybe both. I think uh, you might see. A future I love that. ATZ on Golden yeah. Pond Star Wars mashup, Kara. Uh, well, I've done a couple of deep dives before in my in my life, but um, you know, lately I've been circling around the idea of. I think it would be probably be an essay in response to one of my favorite movies, Silence of the Lambs. Do mm -hmm. uh, it in yeah. part about why. I um, f kind of under uh, find like some affinity with, in a figurative sense, Buffalo Bill. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, it's a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think the things because I, I have to put an S on the end of the word thing there. Um, it's kind of funny that Jan's uh, done Blade Runner because I actually had a Blade Runner and a film called Drive, starring Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. uh, that sort of neon noir. Mm -hmm. has affected my writing as well as western films and old like kung fu and samurai movies wow so i think this uh sort of antique like stylized violence or like neon sort of aesthetic as people call it like the vapor wave aesthetic as they call it nowadays i could definitely do an entire just set of poems where just blow up the language do everything people do on the internet with twitter and instagram and all that stuff and just really manipulate the white space and go at length sort of through a neon mist of samurais and six shooter guns and all that stuff. That's fantastic. That's cool. Brandon, Very, can you answer? Huh? 
I know. I'm just trying to extend. If once I find <laughs> nice out we're closing nice up, I try to keep pin, this by going. The way. Yeah, I know. Right, I'll Brandon usually comes in with the zinger of a question at the end. You guys probably couldn't hear it because he doesn't have a mic, but Brandon's answer was fantastic. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm in tears. It was wow. um, Snow White, and I think he's going to do an amazing job with it. There are nine This is Case Johnston. Thank you, everybody, for coming out and talking with us today. I did not write a single question and I am so glad because Thanks for inviting me. because the conversation was fa it, the, a, a conversation like this always feels like it goes by in three minutes and there's just so much more to say and I appreciate everything that people have said here um, this is Case Jones what's, what city are we in again? Uh, Ogden no Utah. no the uh, what's the middle? oh Bistrica Romania so we are this is Case Johnson po uh, podcasting from the Mar Monarch in Bistrica Romania and uh, <laughs> uh, thanks again for listening alright